listening to New Life the Fort, where the person of Jesus Christ and His love for you are shared. My message today is titled, At the Crossroads. At the Crossroads. So when I say at the crossroads, when you think of a crossroad, what do you think? A road, right? Where you can go many different directions, right? You might hear people say they're stuck at the crossroad or they reached a crossroad. So when you reach a crossroad in your life, what does that mean? It means that you reach a point in your life where you have to make a major decision. You reach a point in your life where you're at the crossroad. You've got to make a, a major decision. And this decision is going to change every area of your life. This decision is going to change the course of your life, the direction of your life. It's going to change your destiny. That's what it means when you're at the crossroad. It's a major decision that will affect every area. Well, do you know that in our lives we do all get to a point where we come to a crossroad? We all do get to that point. This is true. We all get to a point where we see the cross. We see the cross. We see what Jesus has done. And when we see the cross, when we see what Jesus has done, we're faced with a major decision. A decision that is going to affect every area of our life. A decision that will change the course of our life, the direction of our life. A decision that will change our future a decision that will change our destiny, a decision that will change our eternity. It is a major decision. So when you get to that point, when we see the cross, I believe in here you saw the cross, you got to that point. You came to that point in your life where you saw the cross. You came to that crossroad, so to speak, and you made the decision, I believe. I believe in what Jesus did. And when you made that decision, when you believed on what he did for you, You must understand that that affected every area of your life. It affected every area of your life. There is no part of your life that that did not touch, that the cross does not touch. It affected your past, it affected your present, and it affects your future. So first I want to look at the past. So if the cross, when you believed on the cross, when you believed on what Jesus did at the cross, affects your past... How does it affect your past? When you believed on what he did, essentially you got a new past. You got a brand new past. In effect, you got his past. And his past is perfect. His past is perfect. In Hebrews 4.14, can we go there? New King James. It says, "Seeing, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. You see, Jesus went through life blameless. He went through life and he did not sin. And when I say he did not sin, I mean he didn't worry. I mean, worry is sin, right? It's falling short. He didn't worry, he didn't stress, he didn't doubt. As he went through life, he was blameless in all of his ways. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law, right? He was sinless, blameless, perfect. So 
Jesus lived a perfect life. He never made a mistake. He was blameless in all of his ways. But remember, you are in him. You are in Christ. And so if his past is perfect, then your past is also perfect because you are in him. When you believed on what he did, you became one with him. You became one with Jesus. You became one with Christ, which means that everything that he had, you got. When I, it's like this. Before, my name was Katie Langford. That was my name, Langford, right? So if you went into Google and you searched my name, Katie Langford, you would find all the dirt, all the information, all the history on Katie Langford because that was my name, right? But when I married Gabe, I got a new name. I got a new identity. I had to change all my passports. I had to change all my driver's license, everything. I had to do that. I had a certain period of time where I had to do that because otherwise it's like identity fraud. I had, to, I had a certain amount of time. I had to change all my everything because that, Katie Langford, that is no longer me. That's not my identity anymore. I'm now Katie Orr. I got a new name. I got a new identity. So who, who, who among you know that when I got his identity, I got all that he was? So now if you're going to put my name, my new identity in Google... You're not going to find stuff about the old me, Katie Langford, anymore. When you put my name in now, Katie Orr, you're going to find everything pertaining to Orr, my new name. Everything pertaining to him, you're going to find under me, right? So that's what it was like when we became one with Jesus. We got a new identity. We became in him. So we took on all that he was. See, when I married Gabe, if he had debt, I had debt right? (laughs) It's true, people. (laughs) But praise God, he didn't have debt. But you know what? When you married Jesus, when you said yes to Jesus, you got all that he was. You got his past. And his past is perfect. It is blameless. So now if someone was to put you, your new identity, your new name in Google, guess what they would find? Nothing. Perfection perfect just as Jesus is because you are in him. Amen. So our past has been made perfect. It has been wiped clean. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 6:17. Just so I can show you the scriptural basis for this. It says but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Right? That's what happened when we accepted what Jesus did for us. We became one spirit with him. So everything that he had we took on. In Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Right? So that's what the marriage relationship is. That's why when you get married, you get everything that your husband has. You become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's why it's the same way with us and Jesus Christ. We get all that he is. All of his perfection, we get, right? So your history in Google is clean. It is perfect, okay? So if the enemy tries to search you, if anyone tries to search you, you're perfect, okay? So actually the enemy knows that. And actually God knows that. But he wants you to know that. Because we can't hold on to things in our past, 
right? We cannot hold on to things in our past. And God does not want us to hold on to things in our past. Because if we're looking back, it makes it very difficult to move forward, right? It makes it very difficult to move forward. So let's go ahead. We also, you may not have done things perfectly yesterday. See, I'm not just talking about 20 years ago before you knew Christ, you made all these bad mistakes. I'm talking about last month. I'm talking about last week. I'm talking about yesterday. I'm talking about this morning. Whenever it is. See, we are not perfect. I'm not just talking about, we miss the mark, right? We make mistakes, even though sometimes we want to do things perfectly, but we don't. We wish we could have done it better. We feel like we failed at that. We didn't do that as well as we could have, right? So I'm not just talking about before I knew Christ, I was like this. I'm talking about us now. You know, your past is already this morning. So your past is already being made perfect. This morning, it's done already. It's clean. The blood, we know this also because of the blood, right? Dr. Isaac came last week and he talked about the blood of Jesus. He was here for the first four services. Did anyone hear uh, Dr. Isaac last week? Anyone? A few of you were here. So you know the blood. The blood, see in the old, in the old covenant, the blood would only cover sins. In Hebrews 10, 1 to 4, It says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. So the sacrifices that they were making in the Old Testament, it says it could not make them perfect. Okay? For then would they not have ceased to be offered. If they could have made them perfect, then they wouldn't need to keep offering. Right? But the blood only covered. That's why they had to keep offering. They had to keep bringing animal sacrifices because the blood of the sacrifice, it only covered their sin. Okay? For the worshippers once purified would have, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So the blood in the old covenant, it just covered. It was temporary. And that was God's plan for that time. But now, in the new covenant, we don't have blood of bulls and goats. We have the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ was poured out once for all time. Why is that? Because the blood of Jesus doesn't just cover. The blood of Jesus washes away. The blood of Jesus makes clean. The blood of Jesus completely removes. So whatever is in your history, it is not there anymore. It is gone. It's not covered. It's not like crossed out with a pen. Because then if it's just crossed out with a pen, you can still remember it, huh? You can still see it. But it's erased. It's erased, meaning it's gone. God doesn't see it anymore. So if God doesn't see it, he does not want you to see it. He doesn't want you to look at your past and see crossing, crossing out. It's messy, right? He doesn't want to see crossing out. He wants you to look at your past and see it like he does, clean. Clean page, clean slate, amen? So the blood of Jesus has washed us clean. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, New Living, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. It's gone. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
In the New King James, it says it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone in Christ in here? In Christ? If you're in Christ, then you are a new creation. Old things have what? Passed away. Behold, all things, all things have become new. So I love what actually Dr. Isaac said last week. He said the blood, the bloodline represents that the old has passed away and the new has come. That's why we call it the blood of the new covenant. Because it's a line. The blood is like a line. It, It distinguishes the old from the new. The blood says the old, your past has been washed away. Behold, all things have now become new. Amen. So the blood has washed your past clean, okay? So when God looks at you, he does not see what you have done. When God looks at you, he does not see what you have done. He sees what Jesus has done. We have to get this, church, because this will set us free. When God looks at you, he does not see what you have done, but he sees what Jesus has done. So God doesn't want us hanging on to our past. You know, when I was... um, when I was a kid, we used to have, I was into uh, running track, okay? We had every summer, we would have what we'd call a sports day, which was a day of athletics. And we would have lots of uh, races. And me being the competitive person that I was, I would be in every race. 100 meters, 200 meters, 400 meters, 800 meters, 1,500 meters, all. So, and I was really competitive, so I really wanted to win. So before this event, for months leading up, I would um, train. I would train for this day. And I was very fortunate that my uncle was a runner, and he would train there was, with a professional runner. The best runner in the state actually was a local in my area. So in the summer months, me and my brother would go out and we would train with this professional runner. And so he taught us how to run correctly. So I was blessed... Because many people go through life and they never get taught how to run properly, right? But so this professional runner taught us how to run properly. And the number one thing that he told us, don't look back. Never look back. Because if you look back, there's a good chance that you're going to get off course. If you look back, you can't see where you're going, right? If you look back, there's a good chance you're going to get out of your lane, right? So you're going to get off course, If you look back, it's very hard to move forward. So God wants us to let go. Let go of those things in the past so that we can move forward. So I don't know who you are or what you've been through, but whatever's in your past, we need to let go. Okay? So the cross, what Jesus did at the cross, it changed your past, but it also changed your present. See, in the same way God doesn't want us holding on to the past because we're, we're stuck, we'll be stuck. He doesn't want us worrying about the future because the cross, when you believed on what Jesus did at the cross, you also got a new future. Your future was affected in a dramatic way. So because of what Jesus did, you got a new future. Your future was decided. Your future was decided and guess what? It's good. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you. I love this because he says, I know. He knows the plans that he has for you. You may not know, but he does. He knows the plans that he has for you. And what does he say? They are plans for what? For good. 
They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So God's plans for you are always good. See, what it was like before, before we believed on the cross, it's like we were going our own way. 1 Peter 2.25, it says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. When I was thinking about this, the picture that I got in my mind is like someone beating a trail through a dense jungle. Someone beating it. Have you ever been in a really thick, dense rainforest or a thick jungle where no one's ever been? I have this picture because Gabe has done that a few months ago. And so he had to make this trail in this rainforest jungle that had a, a path that had never been taken before, remote. So they had guys with the, you know, the big knives, the machetes, like cutting down the trail. And it was hard work. It was really hard work. It took them about six hours, right, to make this trail through the jungle. So that's what it was like before we believed on Jesus. We were going our own way. We were walking in our own direction. We were beating down our own path, doing our own thing. And it was hard work, right? You were making things happen on your own. You were the one who was deciding your future. Your future was dependent on what you did or what you didn't do. That's what it's like when you're in the world. You're beating down your own path and it's hard work. But what happened when you believed on what Jesus did, you stepped into a path that's already been prepared. You stepped into a path that's already been prepared. In Psalm 139 verse 16 in the Message Bible, it says, Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. See, all the days of your life were prepared before you ever lived one of them. That is how much God loves you. He prepared every day for you. All the days of your life were written in his book before any of them came to be. He planned your life out for you. So in effect, it's really not that you get a new, a new future, It's really you get on to the future that he already prepared for you. In a sense, right? It's not that you get a new future. It's that you get on board with the path, the plan that he already had for you from the very beginning. And it's already prepared. See, once Gabe and his team had made that trail through the jungle, once it was already made, right, it took you then, what, just two hours? One hour. Two hours to walk the trail. It was easy. They just followed the path that was already prepared. So that's what it's like for us. When we believe in what Jesus did, we jump into that path that's already already prepared. So it's not hard work anymore. We simply just follow step by step. We walk in the path that he's already prepared for us. So Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us when? Long ago. See, he already planned those things for us to walk in. When we believe on him, we jump on board and we begin to walk in them. Amen. It's already been prepared. Jeremiah 6.16 in the New Living says, This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your soul. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. See, that's what I mean when I say the path was already prepared for you from the beginning. It is the old godly way. When we travel on its path, we find rest for our souls. 
It's light and easy because he's always leading us and always guiding us. Amen. So that's the path that he's prepared for us. What else does that path look like? Psalm 6511 says, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. That path that he's prepared for you, it drips with abundance. What does that mean? There's nothing lacking. There's nothing missing on that path. When you get on board, when you believe on the cross, when you get onto that path, when you begin to follow him, there is nothing missing or nothing lacking on it. All your needs are provided. Amen. Isaiah 35 verse 8 and 9 in the Message Bible says there will be a highway. You know, you can call it a path. You can call it a highway, whatever you want to call it. But it's called the holy road. No one rude or rebellious is permitted on this road. It is for God's people exclusively. Impossible to get lost on this road. Amen? Impossible to get lost on this road. I like that. Not even fools can get lost on it. We've been talking about wisdom. Maybe you don't feel wise. You can't even get lost on the road that he's prepared for you. There's no lions on this road. There's no dangerous wild animals. Nothing and no one dangerous or threatening. Only the redeemed walk on it. That is the path. That is the highway that has been prepared for you. Amen. Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the uncompromisingly just and righteous. Anyone just and righteous in this place? Amen. Is like the light of dawn that shines more and more brighter and clearer until it reaches its full strength and glory in the perfect day to be prepared. That is your destiny, church. That is what your path looks like. It gets better and better and better and better. See, there is no demotion in God. There is no demotion. You never go backwards with God. You only ever go forward. You only ever increase. Sometimes we feel like maybe we've decreased. Sometimes we feel like we're going backwards, but with the Lord, as we're following him, there is really no decrease. You know, it's only ever increase. We're only ever moving forward. So what does it mean when it says to the perfect day, your life gets brighter and brighter and better and better until the perfect day, until the day when Jesus comes back, until the return of Jesus Christ. So that is what your future looks like. It is better than you could ever imagine. You just have to believe it. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has, what? Prepared for those who love him. You can't even imagine it. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him, who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. So your future is far better than you can even ask, desire, dream, think up. You just got to believe it. Amen. So if your future has been decided, then why do we worry about tomorrow? See, in the same way God doesn't want us hanging on to our past because it stops us. He doesn't want us fearful about the future because fear will paralyze you. Fear is like a constrictor (laughs) that stops you in its tracks. If you've ever been really, really scared, like um, sometimes people get this in their dreams, you get really scared in, in your dream and it's like 
you're frozen. You can't move. Your fear paralyzes. And that's what happens. See, worry is a form of fear, right? That's what happens. Fear of tomorrow, worry of tomorrow, it, it paralyzes us. It stops us from moving forward. So we can't be afraid of tomorrow. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So if God took care of our most, our deepest spiritual need by sending his son to die on the cross, why would he not take care of your temporary physical needs? Right? If he took care of your deepest need, why would he not take care of whatever it is that you need in your life today? Doesn't make sense, right? Matthew 6, 30 to 34 says, If God gives such attention, uh, in the message, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. Don't be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss about these things. But you both know God and you know the way that he works. So steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Verse 34. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what, God may, about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So the grace is available for today, not for tomorrow yet. God wants us to live in the today. See, the children of Israel, they got the manna from heaven daily. They weren't allowed to store it up, right? They stored up the manna, it got rotten. And that's what the grace of God is like. It's available for you now, for today, not yet for tomorrow. When tomorrow comes, the grace will be there for tomorrow. So God wants us to live in the now. Amen. So what Jesus did at the cross, it took quick care of your past. What Jesus did at the cross, it took care of your future. And what Jesus did at the cross, it took care of your present. It changed your present in a big, big way. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is our scripture for today, I think. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, present tense, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, old things have become new. Remember the new living said, you have become a new person. So you are, present tense, right now, a new creation. And your new self is found in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 3 says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your life is now intertwined with Him. Your identity is now found in Him. It's like Pastor used this example one time. You know, if if we're like the pen, that's us, and Jesus is like my Bible. So now we're like in him. Our life is hidden in him. We're in him. So when you look at this, what do you see? The Bible, right? You can't really see the pen. You see the Bible. We're hidden in him. So that's our new identity. That is our new self. Our new self is found in him. So we can no longer examine ourselves. 
Because, you know, it sounds really spiritual to examine yourself. We hear this. You may have heard this before. Examine yourself. What have you done? Examine yourself. You make yourself better when you examine yourself. You need to daily examine yourself and find out what's wrong so you can fix it. But actually, it's not so spiritual. Because if you examine yourself, you will always find things wrong. You will always find out, oh, my thinking isn't very good. You know, I'm not very good at this. I failed at this. You, You find all your weaknesses. Basically, you find out you're not good enough. And self-examination, self-focus will leave you anxious, depressed. It'll end in death, right? It'll end in death. Nothing good can really come from it. So self-examination, the same way you can't move forward if you're looking back. If you're looking at yourself, it's also very hard to move forward. If I'm just looking at myself, I may find myself very, very stuck, We can't look at ourself. We must look at our new self. And our new self is Jesus Christ. Don't get caught up examining yourself because it will leave you defeated. Get caught up examining Christ because as you see him, you will see yourself. As you see who he is, you then see who you are because you are in him. In 1 John 4.17, it says, As he is so are we in this world. As Jesus is right now, so are you right now. Right? So stop examining yourself. I don't know who that's for, but that's for someone. Right? So not only are we in him, but he is also in us. See, when he went to the cross... The veil in the Holy of Holies was torn, right? The place where the presence of God used to be. See, the presence of God used to be contained in the temple um, that Solomon built in the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. And there was a veil. Only priests that were clean could enter, and they entered once a year. So that's what the the presence of God, it was in the Ark of the Covenant, where the the cherubim, that's where the presence of God was before. But when Jesus died at the cross, it says the veil was torn. So the presence of God was no longer restricted to that place. Why? Because the blood of Jesus made you and me clean. It made us clean so that the presence of God can now come and dwell on the inside of us. That's what happened. So the presence of God is no longer there. Now it's in each one of us. Each one of us, when you look at the cross, when you receive what he has done, you become clean. You become washed with his blood. And his presence can now come and dwell on the inside of you. That's what happened. That is your present situation. That's why he is ever-present. He is your ever-present help. He's your ever-present help in time of need. Why? Because he's ever-present in you. Amen? So... The cross made you clean so his spirit could come and dwell inside of you. Amen. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. New King Jane. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. That's us. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the mystery? Which is Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Message Bible says, the mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. 
So now you can look forward to sharing in his glory. It's that simple, right? Romans 8, 11 says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So his spirit now lives in you and me. And, you know, I love what Gabe was sharing this morning, actually, about the old covenant where the presence of God used to dwell, right? So it used to dwell in the Holy of Holies, like I said before. And the Holy of Holies in that place was completely covered with gold. I mean, it was completely overlaid with gold. The whole temple actually was pretty much overlaid with gold. Um, In our value today, they say that that temple would have been worth about $87 billion. The temple of the temple that Solomon built was worth in today's value about $87 billion. So that is how much Solomon and his father David valued the presence of God. They built a house for the presence of God. To this day, that building is the most elaborate, expensive, valuable building ever built in the history of the world. That is how much Solomon valued the presence of God. He made that house to house the presence of God. But do you know in the New Covenant, the Bible says, now you are the temple of God. You are now the temple of the living God. So how much, how valuable, that's how valuable you are, right? In, in uh, where is it? 1 Corinthians 3.16, in the message. Let's go to the message. It says, you realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God. And God himself is present in you. No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred. And you, remember, are the temple. You have to remember that you are the temple of the living God. You are overlaid with gold. You are valuable. Just like that temple was valuable, now the presence of God lives in you. So... One other thing about the temple that I found quite interesting is the temple, actually the Gentiles were not allowed inside the temple because during that time the Jews considered the Gentiles to be unclean. They were considered unclean. So they were not allowed inside the temple because they were considered unclean. Also anyone who was sick, anyone who was lame, anyone who was disabled, deformed, anyone who had any kind of defect... They were considered unclean and they were not allowed inside the temple. So how much more our temple, right? Things that are unclean are not allowed inside your temple. Things that are unclean are not allowed. They're not allowed to come against you. They cannot enter your temple, the temple which is now your body, right? Sickness is not allowed entry in this temple. Lack, poverty, anything unclean, anything that represents uncleanness, defect, is not allowed in your temple because you are now the temple of the living God. So in, let's read that one in the New King James. It says, 1 Corinthians three sixteen in the New King James. It says, do you not know that you're the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So if anything tries to come against your temple, it says God will destroy it. God will destroy it. It's not allowed entry. So in Isaiah 54 verse 17, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. 
right? Weapons may be formed, but none shall prosper because they're not allowed entry into this vessel, into this temple. Amen? So we have to understand who it is that lives on the inside of us. We have to understand that the presence of God lives on the inside of us, right? In 1 John 4, 4, it says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You've got to understand that now the presence of God dwells in you. The creator of heaven and earth lives on the inside of you. So if the creator of heaven and earth lives on the inside of you, then what are you worried about today? You have to be aware of who it is that's on the inside of you. See, humility, humility is not, Oh, I'm so small. I'm so bad. I'm, I'm little, you know. That's really not what humility is. Humility is not seeing yourself so much. It's not so much seeing yourself as little. It's more seeing your God as big. See, humble people can often be mistaken as being very arrogant. They can be mistaken as being very arrogant. Why? Because they know who lives on the inside of them. People of the world may look at them and think they think too highly of themselves. They're too self-confident. But really, humble people, they're not trusting in themselves. They're trusting in their God. They're not trusting in their ability. They're trusting in His ability. They're trusting. They, they know who it is that lives on the inside of them. They know how big their God is. That's why they appear, they can appear self-confident. But actually, they're God-confident. They, they understand who it is that lives on the inside of them, and they live out of that reality. Amen? So we have to know who lives on the inside of us. So God didn't just come to live in us, but he came to now live through us. He lives through us. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the life that you live now is no longer your own. He comes to dwell in you and he comes to live through you. It's now Jesus now comes and he lives his life through you. Um, As I was thinking about this, I guess the best way that I imagined this, I visualized it. Because it's good to see pictures, right? It's good to... I have examples. Jesus used stories. He used stories. Why? To make it simple, to make it easy to understand. I love that about Jesus, that you didn't need to be intelligent. Jesus was the most intelligent person that ever lived, right? But you didn't need to be intelligent to keep up with his lesson. You didn't need to be a scholar. He was a scholar, but you didn't need to be a scholar to be able to understand because he made things so simple that a child could understand, right? So he used stories. Now, the way I imagine this, Christ living through us, it's like, actually, it really takes the pressure off, off of us because life, it's, not more, it's no longer about me. It's no, life is no longer about you. It's about him. You no more need to put pressure on yourself. You just need to rely on him. We just need to trust in him. Um. In the Amplified. Can we read that in the Amplified? Galatians 2.20. Pastor used this earlier and I, I really liked it. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared in his crucifixion. 
It's no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, in by adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God. So that's how we now live our lives. We trust in his ability now working through us. Now, this is the way I pictured it, right? It's like a movie. Okay, it's like life is like a movie. So who likes movies in here? Good. So has anyone ever seen like the Oscars? I think in Australia we call it the Logies. But America call it the Oscars, right? And that's when the actresses get their awards. You guys are actors, so you should be really saying the example. But when the actors get their awards, they go up and, you know, what's the first thing they usually say? They usually say, um, you know, none of this would have been possible if it wasn't for my director, right? Because really, the director is really the star of the show. Because, you see, the director is the one who planned the movie. The director is the one who knows the, the end from the, the beginning, the end. He knows what's going to happen in the movie. He tells the actor what to do. He tells the actor what to say. He tells the actor where to go. He tells the actor what clothes to wear. He's actually the real star, the director. Am I right, Pastor Alvin? Pastor Alvin does some directing. Or play, a play. The director is the one who makes... All the decisions, the director is really the real star. All the actor does really is shows up. They're just available. And they just do what the director tells them to do. That's why good actors, they won't be in movies unless it's a credible director. Right? Well, our director is called Jesus Christ. And he's very credible. Right? And as you allow him to live through you... see. We're the, it's like we're the actors, right? He tells us what to do. He tells us where to go. He tells us what to say, what to wear. He leads us from the inside, right? He lives through us. Just like the director, he really lives through the actors that he has in the movie. So that's what we do. We just do what we're told. And as we do what we're told, we find ourselves in places that we could never get to on our own, Right? We find ourselves being promoted. We find ourselves anywhere, things that we could never do in our own strength. And when we get there, when we get to that place and we're given the mic, what do we say? We say, none of this was possible on my own. I could never have done this without my director. I could never have done this without my Jesus. Right? See, God, I'm just not, I'm not the only actor in the movie, you see. Pastor Alvin is in the movie. Pastor Mitch is in the movie. Gabe's in the movie. Virgie's in the movie. See, God displays his glory through me. He displays his glory through Pastor Alvin. He displays his glory through Pastor, Pastor Mitch. He displays his glory through us individually, and he displays his glory through us collectively. As a body, we bring glory to him right? That's how he lives through us. So it's no longer about us. But you know, the thing that I love about the movie is the director, he's the one who chooses the actors. He's the one who chooses the actors, right? The actors come and audition and he chooses. 
Well, do you know that Jesus, your heavenly director, he chose you? He chose you to be in his movie, right? John fifteen sixteen says that you didn't choose him, but he chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So he chose you, he appointed you to bear fruit. He appointed you, he chose you to display his glory through you. That is his plan, that is his purpose for you right now. In John 15, 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. See, when you bear fruit, he is glorified. He is glorified. So we no longer need to trust in our own strength. I like the example that Pastor Alvin used earlier. When we trust in our own strength, in our own ability, it's like we're running on a, you know, like a hamster running on a wheel. It's like you're running so hard, but you're not going anywhere. Right? When you're doing things in your own strength, you're running really hard on that, that wheel, but really you're not going anywhere. You're not making progress. It's like building with wood and hay and straw, right? The, the Bible says that when you build with wood and hay and straw, you, you feel like you're really doing something. But actually, it's just, it's nothing. It's burnt down. We're supposed to build with gold, silver, things of God. So when we do God's strength, okay, the, wooden, the wood represents our strength. The gold represents his strength. So when we do things in our own strength, we get really, really worn out. We're like running on that wheel but not making any progress. Colossians 1.4. Can we go there? It's not in my notes, in the Amplified. So we can't trust in ourselves. We have to trust in Him working through us. Um, Pastor Prince said this, to be disappointed in yourself is to have trusted in yourself. To be disappointed in yourself is to have trusted in yourself. Now, that may set some of you in here free today. If sometimes you feel really disappointed in yourself, maybe you are trusting in yourself. See, we don't trust in self anymore. Colossians 1.4, Amplified. If we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the leaning of your entire human personality on Him, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, His wisdom, and His goodness. That's how we live our life, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, in His wisdom, and in His goodness. Amen. So, the cross changed everything. The cross affected every area of your life. The cross affected changed your past the cross changed your future and the cross changed your present it changed you right now it affected every area of your life so I hope that you can see that today but you may be here and you may be saying well you may be here and after listening you may say 
I don't know if it's your first time or maybe it's the first time you've heard these things, but you may be saying, today I saw the cross. Today I came to that crossroad. I came to that place. I came to that crossroad, that place where I saw the cross. Today I saw what he did for me. And I want to make the decision to ask him to be my Lord and my Savior. So if you have not made that decision yet, I want to give you the opportunity to make that decision today. It is a major decision that will affect every area of your life. So if you have not yet made that decision and you want to make that decision today, um, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. Just really quickly raise your hand in the air because I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord. Is there anyone? I see the hand here at the front. Is there anyone else? I see I see your hand, ma'am, at the front here. Is there anyone else who wants to receive Jesus? I see your hand, sir. Anyone else want to make that decision today? You can put down your hands because we're going to pray together now. So if that's you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The Bible says that when we believe in our heart, we speak out of our mouth. When we believe on the Lord Jesus in our heart, then we speak it out of our mouth, we're saved. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer so you can speak out what you believe. All right? So say this after me, and congregation, let's pray along with them. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son. Today I saw what Jesus did for me. I saw the cross. And I believe what it means for me. I believe, Jesus, you died for me. And today, I receive you. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. I thank you that you now come and live in me. I want you to come now and live through me. I thank you that from this day forward, I know that I am saved. My future is bright. And I will be with you in heaven because today I am saved. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at newlifethefort.com.